It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 76, David and the Stone Azel. After the previous scene with David at Ramah, we have to believe some time has passed, let's say weeks or a few months, and David tries to return to the court of Saul. Why not? Where else do you go? Yeah, I know he's already tried to kill him numerous times. Where do you go? I mean, David's supposed to be the eventual king of Israel. Isn't that what Samuel said? David's really at a loss as to what to do. He thinks, just maybe... This is a cruel joke and that Saul's madness is over. Surely, it could be over, right? David wants to reconcile, but he he wisely goes about it slowly. He decides to approach the throne of Saul again, but slowly, testing Saul's anger. Maybe, just possibly, David thinks the prophesying did him some good. David gets word to Jonathan and visits him. And what goes down in the next scenes are something emotionally charged, like a screenwriter would write, with tons of emotion and drama. Because David's pleading for his life with his best friend. For David wants back in the graces of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 20 Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father? That he is trying to kill me. Never, Jonathan replied. You're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without telling me. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that what I have done, favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this, or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. So David said, Look, tomorrow is a new moon feast, and I am supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. And if your father misses me at all, tell him. David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. And if he says very well, then your servant is safe. But if he chooses his temper... If he loses his temper, then you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. And as for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said. If I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, Who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go in the field. So there they went together to the field. It's almost as if David's just blowing his cap and he's raising his voice and Jonathan chooses to be discreet by going outside. And it is outside that Jonathan makes a covenant with David, which lasts generations. 1 Samuel 20, 12. 
Then Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. But show me unfailing kindness, like the Lord's kindness, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. So let's remember this covenant between David and Jonathan, because David will not forget it. Even as the two men are separated by what seems like thousands of miles for many, many years, the covenant was to show kindness to he and his family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. It's an interesting covenant that's made here to show kindness to Jonathan and his family, even when the Lord cuts off his enemies. This context will later vex David, but also bless him. The account continues. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as himself. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon feast. You will be missed, because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, towards evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began, and wait by the stone Ezel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, and as though I were shooting at the target. Then I will send a boy and say, Go find the arrows. If I say to him, Look, the arrows are on this side of you, Bring them here, then come, because as the Lord lives, you are safe, there is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go, because the Lord has sent you away. So during the new moon feast, David was to hide at the stone Azel, while everyone feasted and Jonathan was going up to size up his father. The stone Azel appears to be a boundary stone between Gibeah and Nob the place of the priest, and the description for the stone is called the place of departure, which we'll explain later. 1 Samuel twenty twenty-seven. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son, Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go, because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town, and my brother has ordered me to be there. And if I have found favor in the, your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, You are a son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Don't I know that you have been sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame, to the shame of your mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should it be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger, and on that second day of the feast, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. So if you're questioning this, uh, yeah, I mean, Saul tried to kill his own son because of his jealousy of David now. If you remember a long time back, Saul almost had his son killed after the Battle of Michmash, and now he's done it again. 
Josephus adds some here. He states his men had to jump up and keep Saul from killing his own son. I could probably see him with his arms around his throat, having him thrown against the wall or on the ground. Um, and then all of Saul's men and soldiers come upon Saul to, to, to pull him back. In addition, Josephus adds that Jonathan was so grieved he cried all night long. And if you can imagine, and if you've ever been shot at or had your life threatened, Jonathan's blood was up and he was train wrecked inside. And what was going on? I mean, his father was a raging madman. He tried to kill him. He just almost died. David, his best friend, was a wounded man. What should he do? Go with his family and leave his father and family? That wouldn't make sense. What was he to do? In the morning, he was to tell David the news, but also confess that he almost died the night before. 1 Samuel twenty thirty-five. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him. He said to the boy, Run and find the arrows I shoot. And as the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out after him, Isn't the arrow beyond you? Then he shouted, Hurry, go quickly, don't stop. And the boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. The boy knew nothing about all this, only Jonathan and David. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, Go, carry them back to the town. After the boy had gone, Jonathan got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. So, I mean, you want to picture this scene. David walked away from Jonathan and all that he knows at the place of the stone is El. The place of departure to an unknown life and future. How different was this life turning out for David? Was Samuel right when he anointed him king? Was this some cruel joke by God? These are the type of thoughts that David must have been having, no matter how much faith he had, because he was human. Think about this. You go to the airport to fly somewhere. You head to the departure gate. But there's no signs telling you where you're going. But you do know you're rejected by the ruler of your country, and you have to go. Though in your heart, you know you are to one day be the ruler of the country. How strange. But this was David's walk and journey. Let's conclude this episode of Message to Kings with a historical side note for anyone who visits Cork, Ireland, and a seasonal stopgap for the end of this season of David's life. So if you're ever in Cork, Ireland, and you find yourself at Blarney Castle, and someone tells you you should kiss the Blarney Stone, for more than 300,000 people do it a year in hopes of gaining more eloquent speech as the legend goes. For that is the legend. Some claim the Blarney Stone has biblical origins, for the Blarney Stone is the actual stone Azel transported to Ireland during the Crusades by St. Columba. But to be clear, it's just a legend. But there were many possible sources of this Blarney Stone, such as Moses' rock he hit, or Jacob's rock he slept on, or the fatal stone of Irish kings. But most people actually favor the stone at Blarney Castle as the stone as hell. 
Look it up, the Blarney Stone, and see pictures of people kissing this stone upside down atop a castle. Crazy traditions, and I can't imagine the germs on this thing. But knowing what we know about this scene, I haven't the slightest clue how someone would get a gift of eloquence from the stone from this place of departure. The scene really provides a clear separation for David in his early life, times in the court of Saul in the wilderness years. There's no turning back for David to the court of Saul at this point. So let's give a recap of David so far. Using Steve Rude's dates, David was anointed by Samuel at the age of 15. Though he was rejected by his father and brothers, he worshipped and played his lyre before Saul and bound his demons temporarily through worship. He killed the lion and bear and took on and beheaded Goliath. He was honored in all of Israel, became one of Saul's generals, and defeated the Philistines on numerous occasions. He married Saul's daughter, Micah, and became the king's son-in-law and made a best friend in Jonathan before Saul's jealousy and rage took over. Previously, Saul had tried to get David killed in battle, but when he fails, he tries to kill him with his own spear. David runs for his life, but with the help of Jonathan, he is restored to his place. But Saul tries to spear him again, and he flees to his room in the palace, and he escapes out the window. He runs to Samuel, who protects him for a while, and in this episode, he attempts to be restored to Saul, but this was a failure. David has been, at this point, rejected by his father and brothers, and even his king, and he is now a wanted man in Israel, and David does not know where to go. All he has is what he can carry, homeless, destitute, and poor, but with a calling and a purpose. To end this episode, we have to leave David raw and alone. This has to be one of the lowest points in his life. I don't imagine he completed any Psalms, but started numerous ones at this specific point in time. I can see David in desperation screaming and crying out to God from the depths of his soul. Why, Lord, what is going on? Where are you, God? I can't see you. I can't feel you. Where are you, God? Where is your loving hand? Where is your mercies and grace? Where are you, God? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as David runs in desperation to Nob, the place of the priest, and Saul hunts after him and commits a most terrible deed in Israel. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.